on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. fell this weekend there were plenty of goals around the country and none more so than Carrow Road where we saw an eight goal thriller. This is the pivotal moment Armstrong three four steps back steps up now takes it right foot in he sends gone the wrong way and what a sensational day down on the south coast. A big win for Birmingham City but there's a feel-good factor around the club for a different reason as they welcome new investor and NFL legend Tom Brady. Me playing a role in a very small role in a lot of what's being done here for the fans and for the people of the city and for the players, for the whole club that's been here a long time. So it was just great to be part of this whole experience today. And we'll speak exclusively to Wigan Athletic boss Sean Maloney as the Latics' priority is to stay in the division. We're going to go with a smaller squad. I rely very heavily on the academy and uh, look, I know we've started really well. I think the ambition is to stay in the league and as soon as we reach that, then let's see where, where the season can take us. We'll take you all around the big stories from the Football League. Plenty for myself and Adrian Clark to get through over the next hour with so much to discuss. You're listening to EFL All Access with me, your host, Hugh Croft. Another sensational weekend up and down the country in the EFL. Um, Adrian Clark, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Hugh. Yeah, delighted to be back on the show. Um, yeah, another good weekend, wasn't it? Plenty happening. It was. Um, it, it was one of those weekends, right, where I think we're almost there, maybe three or four weeks in, where we can really say we know what a team is like, certainly in this early part of the season. Obviously, we got the end of the transfer window to come. But I think for some clubs, it was was the first weekend a blip or not. You know, are we as good as what we showed on the opening day or as bad as what we showed on the opening day? day? So a chastening or a delightful Monday for fans of different clubs up and down the country. And I wonder if, if that's reflected on the training ground as well. Do you think the mood drops at certain clubs, maybe after back-to-back defeats, but buoy into others after back-to-back victories? Of course it does, Hugh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the whole mood at, at training within a football club environment is always based on on results. So yeah, if you've lost your first couple, if you've been dumped out of the, the Carabao Cup, all of a sudden, is the manager doubting himself? Is he going to panic and start to make wholesale changes? Have the players lost a bit of confidence? Often that is the case. And you can flip it around. Some teams might have surprised themselves with how how well they've started and they'll just be bouncing. They can't wait for the midweek games because we've got plenty of those in this week across the EFL. And yeah, it's um, yeah, everything can change in the matter of days when you're working at a football club, believe me. Yeah, important games on the horizon, I think, because already certain clubs uh, and certain local papers putting pressure on managers. (laughs) And we don't want to see that so early in the season, particularly after, you know, the raft of dismissals and uh, mutual consent, shall we say, across the EFL last season. Let's hope these managers and these teams can settle in very, very soon and have positive seasons. Let's start about uh, um, talking about a manager who is trying to settle in at Southampton in the shape of Russell Martin, many of whom are reflecting on a Russell Martin-esque result after an eight-goal thriller between his side and Norwich City's former club, of course. 
People calling into question Russell Martin's approach after this one. It was a fantastic game. Maybe the officials helped as well with some of the decisions. But um, but in the end, do, do, you, do you put it down to how Russell Martin sets his team up as to why we saw two sides concede four goals each? <laughs> he's got a very distinct style of play. And I don't think he's going to make a lot of compromises. I really don't. He is all about controlling games, playing an attacking brand of football. All he's really interested in is hurting the opposition. How can we go out and score goals? Now, that does mean, I'm afraid, that Southampton will probably concede quite a few goals this season because there are two sides to football. And maybe when he comes under a little bit of pressure, if that is the case, he will have to just make a tweak or two. But in the here and now, I don't see any sign of that. I think they're great to watch. I think if you're a Southampton fan, surely... You're, in, you're enjoying what you're seeing. I mean, they had 31 shots against a really good Norwich team who I expect to be in the promotion mix this season. 11 of those shots were on target. I thought they were lucky, I do, to, to get that penalty right at the death. For me, never a penalty. Yeah. Uh, Carl Walker-Peters has, has definitely looked for contact there. But, but look, over the course of that game, it was an absolute classic of a contest. They provided great entertainment. I don't think Southampton fans need to worry at all but he does need to recruit in midfield because he's lost a couple of good players, Hugh, hasn't he? Very good players, yeah. And I, I might even say a, a, an extra centre-back, some more steel mm. in defence might help Southampton as well. And, and also, I think, and we'll come to Ward-Prowse and Lavery in a moment, but, you know, the clarity on who wants to play for Southampton right now, who wants yeah. to be at the club, is so important because... You know, as, as as much as some of those players don't have great experience, they've moved to a Premier League club thinking, this is going to be the start of my career. Top flight football, I'm in the shop window. And we've seen Lavia take his opportunity and he will be moving on to a big, big club. But, you know, for some of those, I don't think they necessarily envisioned life in the championship so soon. So I think that is going to be an important part for Southampton going forward as well. It is, it is. But I, I sense that a lot of the players will be enjoying their football because they're playing for a manager that kind of frees them of a lot of pressures. He's basically saying, he's liberating the players in that squad. He's saying, go out there and play, express mm. yourself, go and have a little bit of fun with it. But I trust you. you you've got to trust yourself and trust your teammates. I think that he's quite an appealing manager to play for. If there are any guys at Southampton who think they're above the championship, then they need to get rid of them. They need to go now. We're seeing it at Leeds. They, mm. They've got a number of guys there now who, who want out and the season's already started. Mm. So that's the last thing you need. I personally feel that that Southampton are are in an okay place and that he's got a squad to work with. It just needs a, a few defensive reinforcements. But the thing is, you can't just bring in any old defender here if you're going to play for Russell Martin. They've got to be a ball-playing central defender. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you know, those don't grow on trees. A uh, sad day, I think, for Southampton fans to see James Ward-Prowse uh, move. He's gone to West Ham United, joined the club at the age of eight, 410 senior appearances for the club as well. Sad for him to see the club go down and have to leave under these circumstances. He's joined West Ham United, as you mentioned, another midfield player at leaving the Saints is Romeo Lavia, being reported just a few moments ago uh, that he has agreed to move to Chelsea. Um so, so it looks like that money needs to be reinvested. It looks like it's going to be £60 million for Lavia, uh, £30 million for James Ward-Prowse. We don't know how much of that is up front, but even if half of it is, it's a sizable amount of money to spend on a couple of players uh, in the championship. Um, Flynn Downs looks like it's going to have a little 
if you like, um, reunite with mm-hmm. uh, Russell Martin, of course, yeah. with him formerly at Swansea on loan from West Ham United after the departure of Ward Prowse. That will help ease things as well. But, um, you know, it's weird for me to say this. Four goals conceded, four goals scored. I still think there is something kind of lacking in the metal of Southampton. We really need to see that soon. Yeah, a bit more steel. A bit yeah, more steel exactly. with, with, the, with the skill. Um, you got to have a bit of substance. The championship is a grind. You know it's tough, you. And, and it's not just about playing the pretty controlled football. You've got to be able to to shut off games and manage games. I've got to say that once they get their noses in front, they should should be better equipped than most to to see off opponents yeah. because of the way that they they, they they look after it. But no, they've got money to spend. Flynn Downs would be a decent acquisition. I'd actually be quite surprised if Matt Grimes, another one that he's worked with at Swansea, wasn't wasn't on the list. But but there'll be there'll be plenty of players mm. that want to go and play at Southampton under Russell Martin. I don't see I don't see any problems there. I think they're going to be in the mix, but they just need a few more bodies, that is for sure. Now, uh, uh, last season we gave so many plaudits to the Coventry boss, Mark Robbins, of course, as they went through the playoffs and almost into the Premier League. Um, and there is big change at the club because, of course, Victor Jokic, as we know, went to Portugal in the summer. Now Gus Harmer moving to Sheffield United. They're two key players, a, uh, if you like, a creative midfield player and their main goal scorer leaving the club. And we kind of wondered... You know, how are they going to react? Now, look, there is still time uh, in the transfer window for them to improve their squad and use some of that money. But watching the 3-0 win over Middlesbrough, what were your main takeaways when it comes to Coventry and the job that Mark Robbins looks like he's going to replicate once again? Yeah, they've got a way of playing, Hugh. They've got a way of playing Coventry that suits them. And no matter who they have out there on the pitch, they always seem to carry that threat. They can defend... Pretty well. But but what strikes me about Coventry under Mark Robbins is the speed of their attacks. They go from back to front, not just with long balls, but they go with early passes down the sides and they 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 transition very, very effectively. And I've got to say, Hadji Wright has come in. I know he's only been there five minutes, but he looks very well suited. He's got great movement, athleticism, can finish, although he missed a few, I know, against Wimbledon. And he looks to be someone that he's capable of, of filling the boots of, of Jokeres. Who knows whether he'll be as good, but he's got the tools, I think, to, to handle it. What we haven't seen so far is Ellis Sims come to the party. He's, he, he, he might be a bit of a slow burner. It's not it's mm. not been a great start for him. But but thankfully for Coventry, Matty Godden's come back into the side and, and delivered. But yeah, Harmer, Gus Harmer, goodness me, what a player. I think he's kind of irreplaceable, I've got to be honest. Probably a bit of pressure on Casey Palmer to to fill those boots and, and, and be the creative attacking midfield hub. But yeah, they might also have to dip dip their toes into the transfer market again to 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 look for someone that can deliver what, what Harmer did because he was top class. And he I think was, Sheffield yeah. United are lucky to have him. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a separate story for me. But watching what Luton and Sheffield United are doing in the transfer market almost makes me feel like they're kind of preparing for next season and a tilt at the title in the championship once again. But that's a Premier League story, which is not for EFL access, obviously. Um, But yeah, interesting to see how those two clubs are moving in the transfer window. Speaking of which, Middlesbrough and Michael Carrick need a little bit of help after this because we know they had some several very good players on loan from Premier League clubs last season. And it's a big dent to see how they've started. 
Yeah, I'm not that surprised. No? I think I said on, on our preview show that that they're weaker right now. Actually, not just a little bit weaker, a lot weaker right now than they were at the end of last season, Middlesbrough. Just got to look at the, the names on the on the team sheet. There's no Cameron Archer. There's no Tuber Akpom. They've got uh, Morgan Rogers playing in the number 10 role. Quite inexperienced. Young guy called Silvera on the wing. These guys, Matt Crooks is leading the line. Matt Crooks couldn't get in the team mm. towards the end of last season. So, yeah, he needs help. You've, you've said it there, Hugh. He needs Middlesbrough to get their checkbook out or whatever they use these days to, to pay for transfers and to and to beef up that squad and, and to get some quality loanees into the building. Because yeah. Carrick has proved that he's a good manager, he's a good coach. But right now his squad isn't as strong as a lot of other clubs who have promotion aspirations in the championship. So I, I feel sorry for Carrick at the moment. Yeah, first time since 2007 that Middlesbrough have lost their opening two league games. Looks like Tuba Akpon's going to be going uh, to the Eredivisie to play for Ajax. Huge club, great move for him after last season and uh, resurrecting his career. <laughs> yeah, you've got to say. Um, but, but I think the big thing for Middlesbrough going forward is going to be the presence of Michael Carrick, um, he, he, especially given what he showed last season, which you mentioned, I think there's going to be a few Premier League sides once again happy to loan their young players to the tutelage of a player who had an incredible playing career and has made a really good start to their managerial career. It yeah. just looks like those players may come in quite close to the end of the window and it's going to be a start once again and another slow burner of a season for Middlesbrough, which again could cost them when it comes to the tail end of the season. But we'll see how things things pan out for them from here. I've got to say, one of the most buoyant football clubs so far must be Ipswich Town. Um, and I was kind oh. of, you know, it was, it was, you know, the end of last season, Ipswich Town fans were telling me, we can go again. We can do what Sunderland have done. We can get into the top six. And I kind of said, hold on a minute. This all depends on Kieran McKenna and there's going to be clubs in for him during the campaign because he's such a great manager. Mm. But we have already seen, they've kind of picked up where they've left off after their promotion. Two wins from two now. And it's mm. just whether that form is going to last. What do you think? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, there are only two teams in the championship that have won both matches. That's how unpredictable it is. It's Ipswich and, and Leicester City. So they're going to lose games. Um, I, I like the squad. They they had an, a ridiculously big squad last season for League One. So they're actually quite well equipped. They've got a bit of depth and they've got a way of playing. He's not fiddled with the starting eleven too much. You know, the back four is very similar. Same in midfield with Morsi and, and Luongo. It, it looks like the side that that took that he took up last year. So, yeah, they've just carried on the momentum. It's a good win, isn't it? Really mm. comprehensive. So just sort of swatted aside Stoke, who themselves have been really impressive on the opening day. So, yeah, I think they can keep, keep it up. I think they can push for the playoffs. I'll be staggered if they get top two, though, given yeah. given the quality of, of some of the teams in, in the division, the squads that they've got. But but they've got a gem in McKenna, and you just touched on it there. I guarantee that if Ipswich are flying this season, a Premier League club or two or three mm. will inquire about the services of Kieran McKenna. And then Ipswich have a really, really tough call to make. And so does, so does Kieran himself. So um, watch this space. That... That, I think, is just inevitable. Yeah, after beating Stoke uh, by two goals to nil. Uh, and by the way, Stoke gave full credit to Ipswich for being the better side. But it is, a, it is a big victory and a big result so early in the season. What was key for me is McKenna just talking about them sticking to their identity. You know, he very much has been 
it seems to me anyway, going to be a continuation of what he was last season. He knows how good they are. He's not trying to change the way that he approaches football matches just because they've gone up because the squad looks very competitive. Yeah, why would you change what's working? Mm. I mean, there's a set-piece goal in this one. Wes Burns was really bright throughout the game. Lovely cross for Jackson's goal. They've just got that familiarity now, Ipswich Town. You know, a lot of new most clubs in the championship have got a load of new signings that they've bedded in. Ipswich have got a few too, but he's just dropping them in here and there. They've got their formula. It works. They know each other's games inside out. And and I think that might be the key to them getting off to this fast start. And then it's a case of, well, can we hang in there at the top once the other sides around them get up to speed? Because we've just been talking about a few clubs there who are sure to strengthen across the next couple of weeks in the, in the window. So mm. yeah, let's, let's look at it maybe in a couple of months and see where Ipswich are, but they are a club going places and the fans at Ipswich. Well, I've never seen them happier mm. since the eighties when, <laughs> when I was, a, when I was a boy supporting them, when it was Sir Bobby Robson in charge. So, you know, this, this is, this feels like a golden time for, for the tractor boys. It's great. You're listening to EFL All Access. That was the voice of Adrian Clark. More from him on the way up next. We're going to focus on Birmingham City, another club with a feel-good factor, seeming to be returning to the club with an American football legend on board. Other good times coming back for the Blues. We'll discuss that next. On DAB+, Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. So here's the deal. I'm officially coming on board at Birmingham City Football Club. It's Birmingham City 1, Leeds United 0. In stoppage time, Lukas Jukovic off the bench. Two minutes later, he's fired in from 12 yards. What a moment for Blues fans. Me playing a role in a very small role in a lot of what's being done here for the fans and for the people of the city and for the players, for the whole club that's been here a long time. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 with myself, Hugh Wisencroft and Adrian Clark. And i got to say, it was a real pleasure to be at St Andrews at the weekend to witness the tribute that the fans gave to Trevor Francis, a club legend after his passing. Uh, Jasper Carrot there saying a few words, which actually kind of highlighted the mood uh, on the afternoon as well, because he spoke a lot about the positivity um that could come in the future of the club, a growing club and wanting to bring that back at those special times that have been had previously at Birmingham City. And I, I, I was, listen, I was lucky enough to speak to the chairman now, Tom Wagner, um, but also someone who'd come specially, I think, just to meet me, uh, NFL legend, seven-time Super Bowl winner, Tom Brady was in attendance looking absolutely like a million dollars. I mean, it was a strange sight to see, to be perfectly honest, but there you go. He kind of brought that Hollywood pizzazz uh, to the EFL this weekend. And afterwards, uh, after Birmingham's late winner over Leeds United, um, TalkSport's Tom Ross actually called up with the great Tom Brady and asked how he intends to make the club a global name with his new role as chair of their advisory board. Me playing a role in a very small role in a lot of what's being done here for the fans and for the people of the city and for the players, for the whole club that's been here a long time. So it was just great to be part of this whole experience today. And again, it's a first visit to uh, to a, a St. Andrews, which is really an incredible place, incredible fandom. And, um, you know, that's what we all enjoy. We love sports for a reason. We always want to go out there and over deliver and make people proud. 
And when you feel like you have a commitment to the people that believe in you, you want to give back and you want to do your very best. And I think um, not only this day, but going forward, you know, that's all you can promise people. You can't promise them wins and losses. We're going to do this and do that. You just do the best you can do. And circumstances change quite often. You have to deal with a lot of adversities, personally and professionally. People go through that every day. But what can you do? You can show up. You can do your best. Try to make the best decisions possible. And I feel like we've got a really great group of people that are here to support this club and the, the city. Tom Brady there, NFL superstar, who is now a co-owner of Birmingham City. That's aside from the football, but we've got to talk about it, Adrian, don't we? Um, because I was speaking to Tom Wagner, speaking to Tom Brady, and the rhetoric is there. Sound, you know, the sound bites are absolutely perfect, and they were being gobbled up by the Birmingham City fans, uh, going into the ground, you know, chanting USA, USA, USA. Afterwards, just listening to some of them on the train talking about the fact that they've got so much money and they're going to be back in the big time before we know it, and. You know, I am a cynic. I take everything with a pinch of salt. So, um, you know, for me, I think it's an interesting one because, you know, these owners coming to football, if you don't know Tom Wagner, he made his money, founded his hedge fund in 2008, a very, very wealthy man who has big plans for Birmingham City. But speaking in all of the interviews that I've heard, including the one that I did with him, about the diversity, um, the the youth of Birmingham City, about the fact that it's the country's second city, um, you know, and, and, and look, if you've been to Birmingham recently, if you go around St Andrews, it is clear that there is a need for development away from the side of football. And we know that people buy football clubs, and I'm not going to call it an ulterior motive because it could be a huge improvement to the city of Birmingham. We've seen Manchester City develop parts. We see Newcastle fans talking about how their owners can develop the city. And the same could be true of what Tom Wagner brings to Birmingham, which could be massive for that city. So I don't want to talk negatively about it. Mm. But, um, but you know, you have to take these sound bites for me, with a little pinch of salt. Yeah, they're saying all the right things, aren't they? I enjoyed the interview, by the way. It was good Thank seeing you. you into yeah, good, good seeing you with with the main man there, Tom Brady. Did he ask for your autograph? He didn't. Yeah. I, I did thankfully get a jersey signed by him. So a special yeah. moment. Ah, good work, good work. I mean, he's a proper legend um, of sport, isn't he? He's mm. he, he's an absolute winner, and it sounds like he's into it. It sounds like he's he's bought into. Um, football and the the club and wants to take a hands-on role. And look, if 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 John Eustace and his coaching staff are prepared and willing to to let him in and and take his advice on certain things and to discuss matters, then then it could be it could be a match made in heaven. You never know. Look, all I know is that uh, I've got friends that are Birmingham fans and they have been sad they've been depressed they've been miserable for the last few years and now they're buzzing they think something special is in the air at Birmingham City I think that's impossible to deny that even the stadium they finally start you can see that the work is being done on Mm. it now to to get it into 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 shape the squad has been strengthened this summer and they've started the season brilliantly I I watched them in in the flesh at Cheltenham the other day hugely impressive so no I think Birmingham are going places and and the city of Birmingham, uh, I don't live too far away. It, there's a lot of investment there at the moment. There's a lot of new buildings being put up. Yeah. I think that uh, reinvigorating the football club will be part of of that development process. And I think that they're smart enough, the Americans, to to see that the city is ready for it. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. It's kind of sad for me to see that our country and the development of our big cities comes down to foreign investment, but there you go. Yeah. Such is the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, it wasn't a great game, so I'm glad I got to meet Tom Brady at the end of it. But I would say, in terms of the attacking endeavour, maybe Birmingham just deserved it. Um, You've got to say, though, for Leeds United, it really wasn't the performance that they would have been hoping for. In fact, Daniel Farker has been brought in the club into the club to to you know play a decent brand of football and try and get them straight back to the Premier League and so far we haven't seen any of that um mm. and like i say compliments to birmingham for their victory but we need to talk about leeds just a little bit um there's an ongoing situation regarding a few of their players possibly leaving the club we heard about jack harrison looks like he's on his way to everton um tyler adams had a move breakdown to chelsea he might be on his way of influential player but they had told Wilfred Nonto that he wasn't going to be leaving this summer and clearly he is not happy about that Um, the player continues to refuse to play for the club this is what Daniel Farker had to say about Nonto this club is always uh, will never rely on just one player and we've spoken about one player right now the last three or four days and you know I think we have to go a bit bit away from this to to speak a bit more about the club and not uh, individual players uh, because uh, this club is too massive. Uh, he's, he never, uh, this club will never rely on just one person for that. I don't want to speak too much about individuals, it's more about our situation. When I signed the contract, I knew about the situation. I knew that after relegation, there's always a bit of a hangover. There's always lots of discussions. I knew also there are some, some clauses in the contract that would, would make our life easy, uh, difficult. I would uh, have predicted a bumpy ride to the, to the end of August, and it comes like this. So obviously, you would, of course, prefer to, to have uh, the situation... Uh, a bit, uh, bit calmer, and, and things would would go a bit smoother into your direction. Um, but if things come as difficult as expected, you can't complain. And you know, you have to accept the situation. I'm quite sure from day to day, uh, the the closer we edge to the end of the window, the situation will calm down. That's Daniel Farker discussing Wilfred Nonto. What's your view on this situation now? Is it time that Leeds United move him on as soon as they can? Yeah, yeah. Like you can't carry players like that. Yeah, just get get rid. It's unprofessional, isn't it, to down tools and refuse to play. So, yeah, he's got to go. I have to say that I was impressed with Daniel Farker there because he was quite open and honest. He's got his eyes wide open. And, and I think part of the issue is the previous ownership. I mean, they're dishing out contracts with release clauses, you know, loan release clauses if they get relegated. I mean, Jack Harrison signed a new deal in April when it looked very likely they'd go down and he gets the clause in there that if, if we go down, you can go out alone. I mean, there's a, n- a number of players have, have, have had that in their deals and I think it's it's caused a great deal of frustration. You've got Tyler Adams, one foot at Chelsea. He's now been blown out, it seems. So mm. what's going to happen with him? He'll be, di- he'll be disenchanted, you'd imagine. Look, what it is, is a young side now. He's just got to build. He's got, he's got the basis of a really exciting young side. Gray, Ampadu, Shackleton, Perveda, Gelhart, Cresswell. You've got Rodon on loan, Ruta as well. What he now needs is a, is a little bit more experience between now and the end of the transfer window to come into the building. And Leeds can be okay. They've still got good players. They're still an attractive proposition. And Farker is still an excellent manager. It's just at the moment, that club is in disarray. It's it's suffering not just a little hangover. It's a proper nasty hangover mm. that they've got at the mm. moment. Uh, and they need to take some medicine. Uh, just quickly, elsewhere in the championship, um, we spoke a lot last week with Sam Parkin about Queen's Park Rangers. Um, he feared for them a little bit, but they picked up an important three points in Cardiff, inspired 
by a certain Sinclair Armstrong. Great to see him building a, a relationship with the fans and getting a goal which meant so much to him. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I spoke to Sam earlier today. He said, I have to eat a bit of humble pie there. He's been giving Ainsworth a little bit of stick, but this was better, much more like it. Made some good changes and yeah, a great day for Sinclair Armstrong. Scores a goal, great assist as well for the winner where he stays nice and calm and, and cuts it back for, for Kenneth Powell. And, and Powell and Chair, I think, can give QPR a little bit of hope. Really two excellent players down that down that left-hand side. So great win for them, um, no doubt about it. They and boy, did Ainsworth need it. Yeah, wow, because yeah. I think the defeat there and almost the writing on the wall for him. But yeah, but yeah he lives to fight another day. At Sheffield Wednesday, beaten 4-2 by Hull. Um, hat-trick for Osan Tufan. But Wednesday fans, a little bit concerned about life's, the beginning of life under Zisco Munoz. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with them. They're in a bad way. I mean, Southampton just destroyed them they annihilated them really without without scoring the goals in this match it was just as bad I think 4-2 kind of flatters Sheffield Wednesday there was a big golfing quality between the two sides two fan was great obviously scored one of his goals was absolute beauty into the mm. top corner the midfield of Jean-Michael Seri and Regan Slater outstanding and and Hull had come into this on a couple you know on the back of a couple of losses so so, yeah, I think Zisco Munoz has, has got plenty to think about. I did look at his team, though, Hugh, and I thought, well, he's left some good players out of that team. It's a case maybe mm. of him getting to know the players that he's got in his dressing room. And he's making some maybe some unusual decisions, I'd say, in terms of team selection. Guys like George Byers should, should be in that team. I think Smith has more to offer. He's also changed the goalie, among others. So, yeah, I think uh, Munoz is... Well, he's already under pressure, isn't he? There's a lot yeah. of work to do there. Yeah, yeah. Some work for Tony Mowbray and Sunderland to do as well. Not too concerned about them because they still seem to be creating chances. But two defeats from their opening two games. They also lost in the Carabao Cup first round to Crew, And so maybe a little bit of second season syndrome. I do, though, think that they will get some good, youthful, exciting loan players in at Sunderland, which is a big football club, as we know. And they should be OK. So an important two weeks for Tony Mowbray in terms of the transfer window. That's it for the championship. Up next, you're going to hear from the Wigan Athletic Manager, Sean Maloney, as the recently relegated Latics are two wins from two, but still bottom in League One. This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. On DAB+, Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Here we head into League One next. It was... Really all doom and gloom for Wigan Athletic at the end of last season, relegated to League One. They received then an eight-point deduction to begin the campaign. But two wins from two league games has given the side and the fans renewed hope of survival. I spoke to the Wigan boss, Sean Maloney, earlier today and began by asking him how important those two victories were for the club. Those two games have had a big uh, impact on the squad uh, and the club, uh, particularly the first game at Derby. With it being the first game... Uh, of the season and what the club's been through during the summer, I think it did. It did have a big impact. Uh, it was a bit more emotional around the club than normal after that game. But um, yeah, for for all the new players, how we're trying to play, I think the two games it gives them a bit of confidence that if we get this right, then we can be a match uh, or a challenge for any team in the league. How pleased are you with the way that the squad has come together during pre-season and the performances in those two matches? Really pleased. Um, I was not. Uh, look, our preseason was was uh, it wasn't that consistent either. We still had some players, obviously, that had put in their notice. We weren't sure if they were going to stay. 
Um, so yeah, going into Derby, I was quietly confident, but um, yeah, I think you're still unsure, particularly in those moments when it goes one all or or one 0 down against Northampton. Um, you're not quite sure how a sort of new group's going to react, but it, it's been good. Um, I would say there's still lots to improve on. I think in both games, it's kind of like the polar opposite of last year. Last year, we became very hard to beat. We didn't create too many chances. I think at the moment, we are creating a lot of chances, but we're also giving up a little bit too much. So, um, yeah, I've been happy with the two games, but still, I still think there's a lot that we can improve on, particularly out of possession. I'll take you back to the weekend. 32-year-old Callum McManaman, a winning goal against Northampton. He called it the best moment of his career. Of course, he was an FA Cup winner alongside you in 2013, man of the match in that game as well. So this weekend clearly meant a lot to him. What's it been like having him back at the club, having missed all of last season as well, just watching the way that he's been able to turn his career around? Yeah, look, it's... it's... He had such an amazing moment against Northampton. It almost felt like a, a really deserving moment for the work that he's put in. He came in February, um, so it was one of the first calls I made. Uh, I felt that as a club um, and a manager, uh, for what he had done for me, I felt that the club uh, just wanted to give him an opportunity to get back into football, come and get fit, go and find himself a club. Um at whatever level, I really wanted him to come and start enjoying football again. And then the work that he put in, it then he then actually started to have an impact in training. Even with the championship group last year, he was starting to do things we didn't have in the squad. So um, for him to then go and score the, the winning goal at the weekend after all the work he'd put in, I know he's got a, a baby daughter as well. I think that added to the emotion. Uh, it was just a really special moment. Uh, I was really happy that, that he managed to um, play through the pain. He got that moment. And now my challenge to him is, can we have more moments like that this season? So, um, yeah, hopefully. Well, it was a great moment for him. So fingers crossed that there will be many more. Thinking about the rest of the squad as well, what has your job been like since the end of last season, trying to motivate this group, keeping them in a positive frame of mind coming into the season? Because obviously last year, things didn't go how you wanted. You then get the eight point deduction coming into the season. And yet, from the outside looking in, you know, it seems like you've been able to lift them. Yeah, I think, um, well, there's so much behind that. Um, I think we've lost 22 players from last year. Um, some, maybe it was the end of the, the cycle here. Others we wanted to keep. Um, I think it all, maybe we don't have that long to discuss everything that went on in the summer. But uh, I think the moment that it changed for me was when Mr. Danson obviously took over the club, I think. I have to respect the previous owners, what they did um, and the money they put in. But when Mr. Danson took over um, and very within days, it, it, uh, look, we then had to try and build a team, uh, club, certain departments. Um, but once that takeover happened, it was, uh, and I knew what the the new ownership, very humble, but they are ambitious. So I could then actually really, when I was speaking to players, players that wanted to come to us, Maybe they were getting offered more money other, uh, at other clubs. I could really sell the vision of what we were trying to become and um, uh, we were going to try and change the, the way that we played. Then that became not easy, but it's something I really enjoyed because um, I believed it and I believe in what we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, it wasn't... Uh, the summer was really hard. I think once the takeover happened, although there was lots of work, it actually you had the motivation of this could be the start of something very special and... I needed to sell that idea. 
you've got to sell a few more ideas. It's still the transfer window. How much would you like to improve this squad and what areas would you be looking at? We, we don't we don't need a lot. I think um, that we've, we've got a, a really successful academy. Um, I've uh, I've lent very heavily on that. I think that's also part of where we're going to go. Um, I think we lost James McLean, so we need a cover for left back. Um, Tom Pierce is doing very, very well, but we do need a cover in that position. Um, ideally, somebody that can play left and right back would be would be the perfect solution because we've only really got Sean Clare at right side. Um, and that would be about it, really. Uh, yeah, we're going to go with a smaller squad. I'll rely very heavily on the academy. And uh, look, I know we've started really well. I think the ambition is to stay in the league. And as soon as we reach that, then let's see where, where the season can take us. Sean Maloney there, the Wigan boss, speaking to me a little bit earlier on today. Uh, Adrian Clark's with me, Hugh Wisencroft on EFL All Access. Interesting always to hear Maloney talk. And I think he's a very, very good manager, to be honest, and maybe... A higher quality than League One, but we know he loves Wigan Athletic so much and wants to get them straight back into the championship. But um, what have you made of their immediate start to the season? Great. Absolutely great. Yeah, he's right, though, about giving up chances. And I noticed against Northampton, um, they go up 17 shots, 24 of their own. So obviously a very uh, entertaining side to watch at the moment. They've got good quality um, throughout their squad. Like you said, it's not the biggest but yeah, yeah, Maloney's impressed me. When they first appointed him, I wasn't sure. I've got to be honest, based on his managerial CV. But there was an instant upturn, even though they went down. And and we're seeing we're seeing a good manager. I was impressed with that interview. He spoke very, very well. Yeah, very level-headed guy. And it's interesting because there's four teams on the top of League One on six points, but there are five mm. teams that have actually won two games, including Wigan. But let's talk about the ones at the top of the table. Bolton won 3-0 at Cheltenham. Another 2-0 win for Cambridge, this time at Fleetwood. Same scoreline for Stevenage at home to Shrewsbury. And another 1-0 win for Peterborough at home to Charlton. But I wanted to mm. ask you what you thought of Stevenage. Um, mm. Because after promotion, maybe a big surprise for some yeah but anyone that saw Stevenage last season will know that they're a really solid team very well coached well organized by Steve Evans he's got something going there he has he's he, yeah he's he, he's an unusual manager but he always makes his teams really hard to play against but but in the match at the weekend against Shrewsbury Shrewsbury had two shots in the entire match now you've got to be a good team at any level, to limit the opposition to just two shots. Stevenage had 63% of the ball as well. So, look, they're showing they're not just about going direct. They're not just about set pieces, not just about defending. They're showing that they're a good team in every department at the moment, Stevenage. So, look, enjoy it while it lasts. It's my former club, of course. I'd love to see them challenge at the top. But hand on heart, I think it's going to be tough for them. If they can finish anywhere um, close to mid-table, that would, be, that would be a tremendous achievement for Steven. It's, just, it's a really small club compared to most mm. at League One level. I think Peterborough maybe are stronger than we thought they would be. Um, but at this level, I think they were looking a very strong side once again under Darren Ferguson. Portsmouth as well, another side that we maybe expect to be very good at this level. They've started well under John Massino. A 4-0 victory over Leighton Orient. Uh, that's after their draw with Bristol Rovers last weekend. They had an EFL Cup win over Forest Green in midweek. Uh, Massino trying to keep everyone's feet on the ground right now. Yeah, he's a bright young manager, isn't he, uh, Massinho? I think I think he he caught the eye towards the end of last season. Been really really active in in the transfer window, bringing in a lot of new players, and that that can mean that it takes a while for them to gel. But 
this result at Leighton Orient, definitely not an easy place to go, given that Orient were unbelievable on their own patch last season, albeit in the league below. That's that's a tremendous win. Um, and uh, yeah, they've got good players. Gavin White in this game was superb. Rafferty uh, came up with two assists as well, one of which was for Colby Bishop. And I think come the end of this season, um, there won't be too many strikers at League One level that have more goals than Colby Bishop. So yeah, Pompey, I think they're in with a great chance this year because it's a wide open League One. Derby County with the first win of the season as well for Paul Warren. Um, he's said that transfer speculation is affecting the squad dynamic, saying that players are becoming distracted by potential moves. Do you, do you think this is going to maybe cost them a positive season, even if players stay a little bit no, of disappointment? Only the, this month, isn't it? Because of the, the transfer window. I think it's Max Bird. I think he's one... I think Hull City... Sniffing around him, and I think his head might have been turned. Obviously, an opportunity to go and play back in the championship again. That he has got good players, Paul Warren at Derby, and, and and some of those will be attractive to sides at a higher level. But it's Derby County, isn't it? And I think Paul Warren will be going to his owners and saying, Look, we're Derby County. This is a great chance for us to get promoted this season. Do not sell off our best players if we can help it. Let's keep them. Let's give them new contracts if we have to. And let's go out and spend some money on, on a few younger players as well. Because I look at Derby at the moment, I think, yeah, good solid side. But they need a bit more legs, more athleticism, a little bit more power, youthful exuberance. So if he gets that, I think uh, I think Paul Warren can, can take Derby towards the top end of the table and, and and maybe even get promoted. That was my tip, I think, at the start of the mm -hmm. season. So I'm not I'm, I'm sticking with it here. I'm not I'm not ditching them just yet. Okay. All right, Adrian. We'll be back with you in a moment. I've got to say the other thing to take away was another defeat for Reading. We're going to be keeping a close eye on them. We spoke about them at length uh, in the last couple of episodes. Uh, so we'll come back to Reading if that slide continues under Ruben Sellers. Kind of the positivity gone after their big 4-0 win over Millwall in midweek. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Let's round off today's programme by talking about at League Two, the top three there, Adrian, all with back-to-back -back wins. MK Dons beating Tranmere 1-0. Barrow beat 10-man Sutton 2-1. And Gillingham uh, backed up their EFL Cup win over Southampton to make it three from three in all competitions. They beat Accrington by a goal to nil. And it's Gillingham, really, that I wanted to talk about because, again, it's another club with huge positivity. They had, of course, the takeover last year. Form turned around hugely. Weren't able to get promoted, but this year maybe in a better place to challenge? 100% they're in a better place to challenge. Yeah, they've signed really good players as well. I mean, Johnny Williams, Connor Masterson, Naderson, who started the season brilliantly, coming from Crawley. Scott Malone, very experienced from Millwall. Uh, and just this week, Macaulay Bond, who's played at a much higher level, has joined from Charlton. Yeah, good manager, good players, confidence in the building. I think that Gillingham, are going to be a tough nut to crack actually this year. Did you see the other teams at the top of the table right now as teams that can stay there, or is it just the early season form? Because maybe maybe a team like MK Dons after relegation. You know, we spoke about Wigan a little bit earlier on, mm. are kind of surprising us by the the positivity in their play and the solid nature of their their teams. I don't know. Yeah, they got good, good bit of excitement up front. They got a few, you know, a few Maverick players. They're playing some some good attacking football. Graham Alexander was was really good. Salford should never, ever have let him go. And yeah, he's back in the division. I think 
I think I think MK can challenge at the top. Barrow are probably the surprise package, um, but they've been building sort of brick by brick for a number of years now. So maybe we shouldn't be shocked at them. But yeah, no, look, there's no re- look. It's a long, long way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that Gillingham and MK would will be there and thereabouts. So I think they'd be in the top seven. Stockport County. Adrian, we've got to talk about them. Two defeats on the bounce. Did you make them favourites? I, I think you maybe I did. did. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, uh, I'm not panicking. No? no, no, no concerns at all. Look, I, it can happen. It can happen. I think the performances have been okay. Lost a 50-50 game against Gillingham that could have gone either way. And uh, they had twice as many efforts as Walsall at the weekend. I think, again, maybe a touch Unfortunate, I think that they will be fine, but it's not the start they were hoping for. That is for sure. Yeah, I think the development of the new players coming in, and we know that there are a number of new signings and high quality ones as well. Just a little bit more yeah. time to settle, I think. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, the next game was going to tell us a lot as well. I think Bradford City, although Bradford haven't been amazing so far themselves, two sides that would have been thinking about being towards the top end of the table. So, uh, the, the the game against Bradford City, what are you hoping to learn a little bit more about Stockport County? Maybe Bradford as well? Yeah, I think that, that well, yeah, I think that uh, obviously the new signing, Nick, Nick Powell, you want a little bit more of him. Pad, Paddy Madden, I think, how are those two going to connect? And once they get clicking, I, I just can't, I can't see a problem. They don't give, I've looked at the numbers as well. They've they've faced in open play Stockport the second fewest number of shots mm. of any team in the division. They are solid. They're not going to get, get annihilated by anyone, I don't think, at League One level, Bradford included. Um, but that will be a good encounter because hopes were high at Bradford ahead of this new season that they'll be in the mix for, for promotion as well. So, yeah, look, if they do get beat at Bradford, then they'll, they'll be under a little bit of pressure. Mm. But for me, Stockport will be absolutely fine. Just know that it was tight last year, you know, and the poor start probably cost them. Mm. Uh, I'm just maybe reflecting on them a little bit more and leaning yeah. on the, the negative start because you tip them as your favourites, uh, which will <laughs> yeah. continue, Adrian. You're rubbing it in, Hugh. Come on, <laughs> let's move on. I'm taking my opportunity. <laughs> um, Notts County, first win of the season. Luke Williams' side twice coming from behind to beat Groomsby their first victory of the new League Two campaign. How, how important was it for him? I even heard ex-players talking about him being under pressure after the You're first You're kidding match. me. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, but clearly there are big ambitions at the club. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got themselves a gem. He's a good manager. He, he, over 100 points last season. Mm. Tremendous. Um, and they're, they're good at coming back. We saw that in the National League. And here they had to come from behind twice. They're going to have to sort out the high line. They got undone by that twice in the game but there's a couple of players here that that sort of that shone that I'm really pleased to see shining one's John Bostock tipped as a wonder kid at Crystal Palace way back in the day I remember interviewing him when he was a teenager everybody wanted him not had that career that he expected but wonderful chest and volley from him and the other one's Dan Crowley it was at Arsenal yeah um, again, tip for the first team didn't happen he's at 11 clubs Hugh mm. he's only 26 but he got the winner with uh, with a fantastic far post header from a great cross from Jody Jones. So, yeah, Notts County are off and running. They're going to be good to watch. Uh, I, I like a lot of their players, particularly the ones in the attacking areas. Lots of attention before the season on Wrexham. Still without a win from their first two league games. Are they possibly finding life just a little bit tough in, in making that leap into the EFL? Yeah, it's going to be hard. Everyone's w- wants to be there. They're the ones to be shot at, aren't they? Uh, yeah, it's not been easy. I think the Wimbledon went pretty direct against them. 
But look, Wrexham did that to a lot of teams in in the National League last season and made life uncomfortable. Yeah, they're just coming up against slightly better organised sides with a bit more nous, probably some more experienced players. And it's going to take a little bit of time. I think, obviously, yeah, missing Mullin up front. Mullin was such a match winner for them. Even in tight games, he'd just come up with a moment of magic yeah. to win it for them. And, and I think that they are missing that. Bit of pressure, I think, on, on James McLean, obviously, played in this game on the right wing. He kind of needs to deliver until Mullin comes back into the side because they're lacking that little bit of X factor and he's been brought in to provide that. Yeah, yeah. Adrian Clark, been a pleasure to be with you on EFL All Access. Uh, remember, it's available as a podcast as well on the TalkSport feed. So make sure you subscribe, hit your notification button. You will not miss an episode. And you can listen here, of course, each and every Monday, 6 p.m. on TalkSport 2.